a green heron flushes from the water's edge to take shelter in the trees of the oasis. Bird Notes producer is John Kessler. Our executive producer is Chris Peterson. I'm Michael Stein. KPFT Houston. Good afternoon. Welcome to the New Capital Show. I'm Leo Gold, your host. It is great to be with you here on the, what is it, the 19th of July. Wow, the year is really going by. I hope you're having a great day and uh, enjoying this uh, terrific, balmy weather that we've got going on here in Houston. Uh, You can reach me at newcapitalshow.com and my uh, email there, leogold at newcapitalshow.com. Also on Facebook is Leo Gold dot New Capital Show, and um, on Twitter New Capital Show. Those are my handles. It will be great to uh, to hear from you. Uh, my guest today is a very special guest. Laura Spangen is uh, joining us in just a second. Laura is the uh, she's she's the sustainability head for this entire city of Houston. Uh, in the mayor's office. And I have really wanted to get Laura on for a long time. She has been very busy. Uh, she became <clears throat> became a mom, and I'm sure that's been keeping her super busy. But uh, she has graciously agreed to join us here today to talk about all the different initiatives uh, that she's got going on. We'll take your calls if you want to ask Laura some questions or, or uh, make some comments probably about halfway through the show today, uh, you'll be able to do that. I'm going to give you the phone number now, 713-526-5738. 713-526-KPFT is the number to call, and we'll look forward, uh, we'll look forward to your calls. Uh, so without any, without any further ado, let me welcome to today's show, Laura Spangen. Laura, welcome to New Capital Show. Thank you so much for having me, Leo. I really appreciate it. It's great to have you. We last saw each other at a um, at at an Earth Day Houston uh, art contest, and uh, we had a great time. We were we were giving out awards to youngsters who had won awards for their drawings about how to how to support the Earth. Yep. And it was great. It was amazing to see such enthusiasm and such wonderful artwork. I it was great to see you there. Uh, how's motherhood going, by the way? I love it. I love being a mom. Love my son Eli. He's seven months now, and he's just uh, you know he's doing all kinds of new things, which is which is awesome. And uh, and are you sustaining? 
<laughs> Luckily, and I don't like to say this, you know, too often, but uh, he is kind of amazing in that he sleeps 11 hours a night. Um, so I am doing very well because my son uh, is letting me get some sleep. So it's very, very great. Well, it's wonderful. And, and of course, uh, I have a five and a seven-year-old. And, and really, I always feel like the things that I'm doing on the radio and in, in the environmental community in Houston – it's for the kids. I mean, it's a cliche, but I really feel that way. Do you feel that way, too, now that you become a mom? Is that something that now is working for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I just think of so many things that when people talk about, you know, things affecting the planet or affecting us in, you know, 40 years, 50 years, you know, and, you know, as a, you know, your brain doesn't really comprehend that, right? And yep. you're like, well, you know, I'm not really going to be around, or even if I am around, I'm going to be old and it's not going to matter much. But when you think about your kids, right, and they're going to be, you know, in the prime of their life, and we could have so many things affecting us in a negative way by the things we're doing today, then it really makes me, you know, want to do more to make sure that, you know, our next generation actually has a great quality of life like we have and uh, and that we continue to sustain the planet, you know. And you're in this amazing position to be able to do that. You are the sustainability director for the city of Houston. You, You work in the mayor's office. So tell us about that position uh, that was Chris Eugster's position, was it not, under under Bill White? You know, I think it's kind of a hybrid position. Okay. I, you know, um, Bill, uh, Mayor White had a, a number of folks kind of do different things. Uh, Chris Eugster was focused a lot on energy, right. uh, renewables, energy efficiency, and that's a huge part of my portfolio. He also had Elena Marks, who was um, a huge advocate for uh, air quality um, and a lot of health-related matters. She's one of the ones who dealt with the smoking ordinance that we have today and, and passed that. Um, and then they had a number of other folks um, that did a lot of of work, um, early work around electric cars, uh, green buildings, etc. So um, my office really kind of handles a, a lot of those things that I just mentioned. Um, and you know, we're trying to push the envelope on, on on new things as well. We have a you know one of our you know newest initiatives. Um, is around you know food policy and and food local food accessible food tackling food deserts. Um, we've really you know expanded greatly from the early days of electric vehicles and we have a, a great program now called Houston Drives Electric, um, which we can talk about later. Um, our green building work has exploded. We have a Houston Green Office Challenge. We have a new energy code for residential and commercial. Um, you know we've done just a ton of work on the on the green building side. Um, energy efficiency has continued pushing that. I mean, if you talk to folks who really understand this world, they, they would say that probably the most important thing that anyone can do if they're going to do one thing is to do energy efficiency improvements in existing buildings because they really are the biggest sucks of energy, and that's really what drives, you know, those coal plants to to do what they do, it's really to power our buildings. I mean, we have to also worry about our cars, but the buildings, you know, people don't realize you, how much energy energy they actually you, take. You know, it's amazing. I replaced a, a an old sliding glass door in the back of my house that, you know, the like the, the gaskets had come out and the thing dated back to 1940, and I put a new one in and the gaskets were good, and I plugged up my chimney with some pillows and some insulation and some other things around doors and windows, and it's amazing the difference it's made. Just, just, just doing those small things, and I know people are replacing windows, and we're seeing a lot of that. Is it happening here in Houston? I mean, do you, are you really having to push hard on on upgrading buildings and renovating buildings, or or is it happening faster than you thought it would? Uh, surprisingly, it's actually happening at a, at a great pace. The city of Houston has led the charge. We spent fifty-seven million dollars to date, have retrofitted eighty buildings, five million square feet. So we we were an early leader in this to show people what could be done. These are our, these are these are buildings owned by the city. Exactly. Yeah. So our paybacks are usually less than ten years, mm-hmm. um, and we've really seen significant energy savings, which means you know taxpayer dollars are saved. So then, in the private sector, who's done a great job, are actually the Class A buildings, those sort of large. You know, Newer buildings, they are uh, amazing. If you look at the list of LEED certified buildings in Houston, and the and the list of Energy Star rated in buildings uh, buildings in Houston. And by the way, our numbers have gone up significantly. In fact, in just the last year, we've gone from number seven in the nation to number four for the number of LEED certified buildings we have. Most of those 
buildings are Class A buildings. The area that we need to do more in, um, that I, where I am struggling a little bit, is the Class B and C buildings. Those are kind of the older, smaller buildings that are dotted throughout Houston. And we actually created an, an energy efficiency incentive program to try to reach out to those folks to give them some money to do energy efficiency improvements. And it's real hard because they, they have a harder time raising the capital, convincing banks to give them loans, et cetera. So we're, that's one of the areas we and, have more work and, to do. And their tenants are probably more cost conscious and, and conscious about the rent, so they can't raise rents as much either. Right. Uh, so they're constrained on the revenue side as well. Is that, is that, does that play that's into those, yep. those yep. B and C buildings? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, um, now you came to us from San Francisco. I did. T- tell us, tell us what you were doing there and how you came to Houston. Sure. I um, worked at um, a, a public utility in San Francisco. And, you know, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, Houston does not have a public utility, you know, like Austin or San Antonio, which yeah. they do. Public utilities are great in many respects is because they usually have assets that they've had for many years, energy assets. They can provide low-cost energy to government buildings, and they have rate payers, so they can collect money and then spend them on interesting things. So I got, was labeled to do lots of things working at that utility, which we dealt with water, wastewater water and power because we had we had we had money um in fact we built uh, one of the at the time it was the largest municipal solar program in the country it was a five megawatt system built on one of our uh, capped reservoirs um and so i got to work on that and get the approvals for that we did also interesting things like turn uh you know uh, grease into biofuel we collected grease from restaurants uh-huh. and actually then turned it into biofuel um and that was really fun we did a lot of water conservation work i passed a, a legislation for san francisco that actually then became the model for California. Um, so real cutting edge, real great stuff. Came to Houston because I followed Mayor Parker, got to know her uh, a number of years before she became mayor. When she was elected, I really was very interested in, in her and what she was trying to do here. We had a number of conversations, and um, I decided to come work for her and be her sustainability director and do you know, what many people did not think could be done in Houston, but really try to push the envelope around greening and sustainability. So it, it created a, a, a sort of a, a place for me to do something in a, in a place people don't typically associate with green initiatives. Well, what, what did the mayor say to you, Laura, when she said, come work for me? You know, what did she, she obviously had to say something to you that made you feel like, okay, she's serious. And so, so what were those conversations? What did she say to you that made you feel like, yeah, Mayor Anise Parker is, shares your values enough to the, where it's going to be more than just a job, more than just a paycheck, and, and, um, that you're going to be able to make some changes uh, and and um, and convinced you to take the job. You know, she said that she wants Houston to be considered one of the greenest cities in the U.S. She knows that we actually were doing some things that were very cutting edge. She wanted to do more. She wants us to tell our story. She believes that if we can do things in Houston, that. Um, that many other cities can do it also. You know, a city like San Francisco, for however great it is, a lot of people associate San Francisco with being kind of an anomaly, right? That they have, you know, a certain pop- homogenous population, they have a lot of envir- environmental li- uh, environmentalists, a lot, they care about the environment in a way that not a lot of other cities do. So if you can do that work in a city like ours that many other cities kind of view themselves similar to, then wow, you can really kind of, you know, you can um, move the needle. So that was what she wanted to do. She also wanted, she wanted my ideas you know she said i will give you you know leeway come to me with all kinds of ideas and i, I want to support them so that to me that's great I, I work well in a situation where i have um i i'm you know i'm my hardest critic you know like i'm the one who can have to bring up the ideas implement initiatives and get it done um and she was like you know if you if you do that I, you know, I want you, and that that really was important to me. She she really gave me, um, you know, the leeway to come up with all kinds of interesting things. And how often do you do you speak with the mayor? Oh, I speak with her a lot. You know, whether it's you know we're launching a new initiative or when I'm staffing her at an event, or you know we see each other, you know, in meetings, obviously, or um, you know, sometimes we even go on walks together. So I see I actually get to see her a lot, which mm-hmm. is great. Okay, so I think this is what I want to do. Let's talk about some of these things that are, as you say, in your portfolio. Uh, and then maybe I'll ask you about some things that maybe aren't in your portfolio, but you've got some opinions or ideas about, and and whatever you can tell us about those things will be great. So let's sure. let's start with the um, – we've talked a little bit about the green the green building. Anything you want to you add on to that that people should know? Anything about building codes? 
that are, that are uh, going on? Yeah, something, you know, is interesting. You know, um, Houston, we actually passed last year a residential energy code, which makes new construction of res- residences. They have to actually build them to an energy-efficient level that's actually 5% above what the state code says. And actually, we were the first city in Texas to do that. Um, and actually, this year, the way the legislation was written is that every year, the city is going to revisit that and see if we can increase it another 5%. So this year, if we approve that, it could be 10 percent above the state code, and then next year we would be 15 percent above the state code. So it's an incremental approach to continue our leadership around energy efficiency for residences. We also did something similar on the commercial side. So that's great because that's actually, you know, we're actually kind of really asking people to do this because we know how important energy efficiency is. And on the residential side, help us understand kind of how it's breaking down. You know, there's there are custom homes, and I'm, I think, because I'm seeing it, you're seeing lots of maybe higher-end custom homes that are that are really being built with very, very high energy efficiency. And then there's, there's the mass home builders, the weeklies, and so forth. Um, help us understand the different segments of the residential home building and, and, how, and, and who's going along uh, with, with the upgraded plans, who may not be, where, where improvements need to be made. Help us understand that yeah, market. Yeah, no, absolutely. Everyone is going along because they actually have to. It's actually city law. So everyone's going along. It's all kinds of uh, housing. It's, you know, affordable housing. Uh, that's being built. It's, um, you're right, the sort of, uh, you know, mass marketed housing, um, those folks. Uh, yes, inner loop housing, urban housing, condos, uh, you name it. So it really does affect all segments and, um, and everyone, everyone does have to comply. And are the standards high enough for your tastes or would you like to see them higher? I've always liked to see them higher, of course, um, but I think our phased-in approach is reasonable where we get to a 15% um, increase over three years. Um, I think that that, you know, was, you know, help, helped, us get the, helped us get it passed. So to me, you know, I've, I'm, I'm always want to push the envelope to get as much as I possibly can, but at the same time I understand, you know, political realities and, and where people are at. So I think it was a, a good approach. Okay. Uh, let's talk now about electric vehicles, and uh, maybe you might expand that a little bit into maybe a little general transportation uh, comments, if you if you would. Sure, absolutely. You know, I focus on buildings and focus on transportation, really, because th- those are the two areas where almost uh, most of our greenhouse gas emissions in Houston come from. Yeah. It's not surprising. We are a hot city, so we have lots of air conditioning, and we are a city of lots of freeways and cheap gas. So that's how we were we were built on those on those principles, and so we a lot of people drive by themselves in their cars. So those that's where I spend a lot of time is trying to get people to think differently about those two areas. So so transportation, we've done that in a number of ways. Um, electric vehicles has been a very significant piece of our portfolio. You know, we we want to we're encouraging public transit, we're encouraging biking, we're encouraging walking. But at the end of the day, we know that people, most people, will still be in their cars. Even if I can lessen that a little bit, most people are going to still be in their cars. Yeah. So if we can get them in a car that has you know zero or little emissions, that's you know that's a great thing. So electric vehicles made sense for us because the charging infrastructure is very inexpensive. Um, um, and you can, you know, put a charger in your house for, you know, $1,000, and you can have, you know, free, you know, elect- or reduced cost electric uh, charging in your car, you know, as much as you, as much as you want. It also made sense because the manufacturers were bringing electric cars to the mass market. The Chevy Volt, the Nissan Leaf, the Mitsubishi, IMF, they're all on the market right now, and more are coming. Um, so the manufacturers were bringing cars to Houston, and that was really important for us. We actually have one of the largest electric vehicle um, fleets in our city fleet. We have four electric and uh, plug-in hybrids. Uh, we've got charging stations in a lot of our city garages. We're working with two great companies, NRG, obviously everyone knows, a, a local company. They made the first private sector commitment to public charging infrastructure. And you'll see them at, you know, Walgreens and HEBs and all kinds of stores. There, these freedom stations are starting to pop up where you can actually go, you know, while you're shopping at HEB, you can go and char- charge your car. And then another group, Ecotality, that's funded by the Department of Energy, they're also going to be putting charging stations throughout Houston for us, um, really at no cost to us. It's all grant funded. Um, so a lot is going on on the electric vehicle side. And, it, and what would you say to people who are thinking about buying a car that want to help they want to help out they want to do their part what what tips and suggestions would you give them as they go car shopping well, I um, definitely would encourage them to look at the electric cars. They get a $7,500 federal tax credit, which is great. So it definitely reduces the cost and makes these cars affordable. I'm sorry, what is that? What is that? Hybrids, what is know, that number? Pre- 
7,800? $7,500. $7,500. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great incentive. It's a great federal incentive. Um, and actually the state, you know, there was a bill to see if the, the state would actually also match, uh, or, or, or give some more money, um, to that. Cause uh, some other states around the U.S. actually also have a state incentive for electric vehicle purchase. So there was a bill in the legislature. It didn't pass, but they're going to bring it back this year. And so we'll see if it does. Mm. Um, I would have them look at, um, Priuses, a, a hybrid. Actually, Houston has the third, our city fleet has, we're the third largest municipal hybrid fleet in the country. We have 800 hybrids in our fleet. Um, and that's a great way to go as well. Cause obviously, you know, you're using, you know, a lot less gas. Um, so those would be the two areas I would look at. I actually drive a smart car, a little smart car, and it gets great gas mileage. And, you know, I spend like, you know, $25 a month on gas, you know, wow. at, at most. So that's another, another great way to go. Wow. If you are just joining us, this is the New Capital Show. I'm Leo Gold. And my very special guest today is Laura Spangen, who is the Director of Sustainability for the City of Houston in the uh, Mayor's Office. Uh, we'll be taking your calls in a little bit, and the number is 713-526-5738-526-KPFT. Laura and I are going to chat for about another 10 minutes or so, and then we'll we'll turn to your calls and your questions. Um, Laura, you talked about uh, local food policy and, and efforts that you're making in that area. You talked about food deserts. I guess those are places where there isn't a provision of healthy food. The stores are not carrying healthy food. Maybe there aren't even stores uh, and and that probably results in greater obesity and health problems in those neighborhoods. And so how are you going at that problem? Great question. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I have a number of initiatives. We actually started this kind of uh, sort of fell into my lap when I first started working here two years ago. A group of folks uh, were kind of like, hey, you know, we want to build vegetable gardens in the middle of downtown Houston. And I looked at them. I was like, okay, great. Let's go. You know, like where, where and how? And and so we came up with a plan, and we actually built 25 container gardens, vegetable container gardens, right across from City Hall at our uh, Bob Lanier Public Works building. And, in fact, they just got highlighted. In Michelle, for First Lady Michelle Obama's new book on her White House garden called American Grown. So we actually have, you know, a, a couple pages on our, on our city gardens there, which is great. Anyway, so that was an amazing effort by Urban Harvest and Asakura Robinson, a local architect and others who really decided, you know, we need some more greening and we want it to be vegetables, you know, throughout Houston. That then led to vegetable gardens at Tranquility Park. It then led to the City Hall having a, a starting a weekly farmer's market right in front of City Hall. That's one of, you know, Mayor Parker's favorite things to do every Wednesday. Uh, it then grew into more gardens, you know, at our at a, other city buildings. We have a, a number of satellite gardens that happen, you know, sort of throughout Houston. We then put it into our Houston Green Office Challenge. We gave points to folks who actually built uh, gardens um, at their office buildings, um, and that was that that was an incentive. Um, and then it, we let, it led into more things. It's, we started talking about you know people who don't have access to, to fresh f- uh, food and how can we encourage them to ha- have access or to grow vegetables. Um, really right in their neighborhood. So we started to tackle the issue of food deserts, worked with the uh, the food trust. They did a study that showed that we actually have, you know, less supermarkets than we should per capita. So we actually have a grocery uh, task force that we're, that uh, has been meeting over the last year to try to come up with solutions to this problem. And Council Member Costello has been very uh, forward-thinking and very active on that task force and trying to, to find ways to work with the grocers. ATB has actually been very, very supportive of this. They're building grocery stores in some of these underserved areas, which has been fantastic. So they're a great partner. Mm. Um, we also have uh, what's called the Mayor's Council on Health and the Environment, and they're a great group of folks, and they've taken on this issue as well. And they've created a food policy for Houston uh, that actually Mayor Parker will announce very soon. Um, and then we're working on, which we're probably going to launch in the fall, with Urban Harvest, an allotment garden program. And this is a great concept where literally in people's backyards practically, we are able to build allotment gardens so that they can have their own plot and grow their own vegetables. And how the city adds value is that we're actually leasing to folks city land that sat there delinquent, tax delinquent property that has sat there empty for years, no one's used it. We're actually leasing that to Urban Harvest and to others and giving them the ability to build uh, gardens, uh, vegetable gardens, and then working with families in the neighborhood to actually uh, grow and maintain their own vegetables. So we're real excited about uh, about that program that's going to be launched real, very soon. Uh, we, have, we don't have a caller, but a caller called in and asked this question. They want to know if Houston will start to use waste to generate revenues. I don't know if that uh, 
if that makes uh, sense to you, that maybe that's biofuels that they're asking about, the same thing that uh, uh, you were involved with in San Francisco. Uh, wh- where where would that type of effort stand here in Houston? Yeah, you know, a lot of people have talked to, to me, and I'm sure they've talked to solid waste management about, you know, there's lots of programs, waste to oil, waste to biofuel, uh, waste, you know, to gas, obviously, waste creating a methane gas that can be used. Um, I know solid waste management, you know, is looking at all of those different things and trying to see what will work best for them. Um, you know, a lot of cities have, have digestion, and that usually, that means you take your waste or your sludge and you're able to, you know, actually create methane gas out of it that can power, you know, a facility. We don't really have those, and they're very expensive, but um, that, that can be on the table. Um, there's also just different... Um, ideas around um, our waste stream, right? Um, and you and I can talk about recycling because we've talked a lot about it um, before. <laughs> you took the words um, out of my mouth. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a whole, you know, a lot of Houston history on the recycling issue, and um, there's a lot more that we can do. Why is it so difficult? I mean, uh, uh, you and I have talked about it. Of course, I've done a lot of activism in recycling, and, and um, I get asked about it all the time. And, so do I. So and, do I. And, <laughs> and, and I know it's not directly under your under your portfolio, but I know you've got opinions about it, and and um, you know I'm on good terms with with uh, Harry Hayes, who's director of Solid Waste. We've been to lunch, uh, we talk about it, um, and, and and email about it, and I know that that progress is made on a fairly regular basis. That there was a big request for proposal that I think has come back at this point, um, but but it but it just seems to uh, leave the feeling in a lot of people of disappointment. That, that we're not moving ahead as fast as we can. And we see other cities move so much faster. The city you came from, San Francisco, which I think is recognized as having the highest recycling rates. Portland, Oregon, which has now cut uh, trash collection back to one day every two weeks. Um, is it a question of money? Is it a question of, of what is it a question of? That's a great question. Let's, let's just start there. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, you know, you and I have spoken numerous times. It is as obviously uh, um, an issue for me, particularly considering where I came from, but also just in general in a you know sustainability portfolio, you want to have one of the basic tenets of kind of sustainability that most people start with is recycling, right? So we are behind. No one would dispute that, including the mayor and Harry. Yep. The problem is uh, with Houston, and unfortunately, this is, this is a place where we are an anomaly, which is unfortunate, but Houston does not have a garbage fee, and almost every other city in the United States actually you, you pay for for garbage pickup. But for us, it just never was set up like that. So how other cities were able to quickly turn over to recycling is that they either just tacked on a small fee to that garbage bill that people already received, and they barely knew that the the increase was there, or they simply had the garbage fee gar- subsidize the recycling rate, which is many times you know we built a five megawatt solar project on energy rate pay. Right, so they kind of subsidize a, sol- a solar project. Same thing happens in many other cities. Well, we don't have any fee. We don't have any money. Everything that Harry does is comes straight out of the general fund. Right, and right. as you know, over the last few years, that's been hit very. Yeah, significantly. You, you have all these competing constituencies for it. Right. So, so why doesn't your boss, who who um, you admire, we both like you, you work for her. Uh, she knows the the money and the finances of this city better, arguably, than any other person. Uh, around, why doesn't she just go to the population and say, "Listen, folks, this is a really important initiative, uh, and and we've never had a fee before, but we want to have a couple of bucks to 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 enable us to do X, Y, and Z." And here's the benefit you're going to get: we're going to be able to get the green bins. I mean, my my wife is five five feet one inches tall, and she she carts out these four four Laura, as you know, four of those little bins because because in our neighborhood in the museum district, we still haven't gotten the single stream thing and my children take it out it's kind of a family thing it's fun in that way right we yes, my children i don't even have i don't even have the single <laughs> right. stream bin trust my, me and i'm the sustainability director yeah yeah right exactly <laughs> and you know i'm i'm uh, one of the uh, more visible recycling activists and so yep. so frankly that doesn't bother me i'm happy to be the last one to get it i'd rather see other people who who aren't inclined to recycle because i know that we're going to recycle with the bins but why doesn't the mayor just lay out the case one day uh and and, and just say here, folks, if you want it, then we got to do it and let, let people decide. 
you know, I, I know that it's absolutely uh, constantly talked about. I know the mayor very much wants the city to have full recycling. We, I mean, there's just been so many competing interests around dollars, as you know. I mean, from literally her having to cut, you know, many, many city staff to yeah. just balance the budget, dealing with our pension issue, dealing with uh, the wastewater and drainage fee, dealing with water and sewer increases. I mean, literally, I can go on and on. There was just so many things for her to deal with because of our bad economy, to, cu- to clean up, you know, our budget when she first got here. I mean, she's only been in office two years. Right. So, you know, it's definitely on the mayor's agenda to get full recycling for Houstonians. And we're, we're, we're going to get there one way or another. I know in her term we are going to get there. Where do we stand right now? With uh, Do you know with that RFP that went out, I guess, at the end of last year? And and uh, just, just to update listeners, an RFP went out. And in that RFP, Laura, it states absolutely uh, in the RFP, in, in no uncertain terms and directly using the English language that the goal of the city of Houston is to expand the recycling program to every household in the city. That's what the RFP says, as I recall. And, um, and, and it invites vendors, uh, like waste management and others who are involved in, in the, uh, in the solid waste program to come up with, with creative ideas. Essentially, they were asked if they wanted to finance the bins themselves, then maybe the, the uh, revenue sharing deal with the city would look yep. a little bit different. So, so where is it right now it's in your understanding? It's a review. Uh, Solid waste management is talking to the you know the shortlisted companies, um, and so and, and, and so there's definitely still in negotiation. So but they're I mean, act- actively working on it. Are we um, going to get good news? I mean, are we going to? Is it your? As far as you know, is it even if you want to guess? Are we going to get good news, or are we going to? Are we going to hear at KPFT? As you know, is a a station that I think is safe to say supports. Mayor Parker and supports you. Are we are, are we at this radio station going to say this is wonderful? This is good news. It's not everything, but but it's more. I absolutely anticipate we're going to get good news. So hopefully we will. And okay. and just you know, I mean, there's 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 other things that are also being looked at. I mean, they're in the preliminary stages, but there's other technologies out there that are actually starting to emerge in in um in in this field that are very very exciting. I mean, as you know, you follow this issue so closely. What <laughs> yep. even with single stream, for example, you know that people throw things away that can be recycled. And there's a kind of a you know it's very small, but there's a growing movement out there now. Nationally, that there is so much gold in your trash or treasure in your trash. I know people say that all the time, but this is true, that we have not, even when cities that have great recycling programs, we have not begun, begun to really um, capture. And so there's technologies out there that are actually looking at your at all of your trash, not just the recycle, not just the recycling that you actually put in a bin, mm-hmm. but all of your trash to see what they can cull out of it that can be recycled. Like, so like we're uh... having conversations with folks like that right now, yeah. and it could be a game changer not only for other cities, but it could be a game changer for Houston. Yeah, things like toenail clippings and things like that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, you think about it. You're a great recycler. You pretty much know everything to recycle. A lot of people don't know everything that can be recycled. Yep. A lot of people, even if they have a bin, they don't recycle. So if you were able to seriously put out onto the curbside your quote-unquote you know, re- uh, trash or recycling, as, as companies are calling it, they could take all of that and they would decide. They're the experts. They would decide what could be recycled. And they're saying, you know, you could literally get 50% of the waste stream could actually be recycled if, if they were able to look at everything. So there, there's some very, very interesting things on the table right now that maybe maybe could change the game for Houston. We'll see. I'm very positive. I'm very very positive. Well, I I just uh, I'm just going to put it out there. I hope you'll tell the mayor that you are on New Capital Show, and she's welcome at any time to come on New Capital Show. Uh, mayor White came on New Capital Show a couple times. She's welcome. Uh, but but uh, absent that, I hope you'll pass on to her that she would have, I believe, enormous enormous support. If she if she said, look, uh, we're all going to have to pony up. We're not going to have to pony up as much as Austin or Dallas or whatever. You know, we we need a couple bucks, two, three. But I don't know what the number is. Uh, I think she would have enormous and significant support, and and I get that just because people tell me that. Uh, so so let her know that uh, she would she would, in my opinion, solidify uh, her standing with the community because I think this is an issue that uh, transcends. Uh, it really transcends politics, and it would get, it garner her even more support. So let her know. Two, two more, two more areas you might comment on, and then we're going to let the people talk with you. Parks and bicycle sharing. I know you're doing stuff in those areas as well, Laura. 
Yeah, bike sharing. Oh, I'm real excited about that. We launched uh, sort of the very beginning of our program uh, last month, and we have three bike share kiosks downtown now, 18 bikes, uh, one at Market Square, one at uh, G- the GRB, and one at City Hall. We have actually high usage for it being just such a small program to start. Uh, we are we are expanding it, um, and in the fall of this year, so in a couple months, we will actually have two over 225 bikes, 20 kiosks um, in downtown Midtown, Montrose, and the Museum District. So how does it work? Tell people, you know, how they would use this bike oh, sharing. Oh, it's so program. easy. You literally sign up. You can either sign up to be a, a bike share annual member for $50, and then you can take out a bike anytime, or you can just simply walk up to a kiosk, put in your credit card, and for 5 bucks you can ride around a town, and then you, you go, go to lunch, and then you put your bike in another kiosk, and then if you want to take it out again, you can take it out. It really is a bike sharing program. It's not a bike rental where you, you take it out for the day. You take it out for short trips. I take it to meetings downtown. I take it to lunch. I, you know, I take it, you know, for small little trips all around when, so places that are a little bit too far to walk, um, but you definitely don't want to take your car. That's, that's the uh, audience we're aiming for. Okay. Please wear your helmet. And please wear a helmet. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, parks. Yeah, lots of great stuff's going on. Uh, a couple of things that were just recently announced. Um, we actually, Houston won uh, for our parks. We won a, a coveted Tiger Four grant. Houston's never won before, but the Parks and Recs Department and the Houston Parks Board worked very hard. We won $15 million for bike uh, bike lanes and bike trails in, in uh, parks to connect uh, various uh, neighborhoods. Um, so that's a fantastic um, win for Houston. The second thing is by the Bayou Greenway initiative. It's an initiative that's going to be put on the November ballot. Um, $100 million we're going to create, and this is a very, very visionary and innovative, a linear park system for Houston. So the whole idea is to connect all of the bayous via hike and bike trails. And you literally, by the end of this, when it's fully funded and done, you should have 50 new linear parks that are all connected throughout Houston. It could really, really transform our city. I'm just so excited about it. So, I mean, the idea is you you can just go a long, long way along these bike trails exactly exactly and the and the campaign is a great a great uh little catchy phrase it's called the name of the campaign is called parks by you mm, there you go <laughs> so it's a little a little little uh, play on bayous I so got it's great. It. my guest is laura spangen director of sustainability for the city of houston in the uh mayor's office uh working with mayor parker it is great to have her as a special guest today and we're going to take your calls let's do laura can we do that right now can we hear from the public you good Absolutely. on that? Absolutely. Let's take a few calls. Let's start with uh, Chase. Chase, welcome to the New Capital Show. You are on with Laura Spangen. Well, hello. Thank you. And, and uh, I practice a lot of the same ideas that you've been speaking about. I'm a big recycler. Um, one thing that I think that, that maybe the city or the state should start focusing on as a LaRouche supporter is desalinization plant. You know, we can offset our water usage by, by using a technology that has been around for longer than I am, old times 10. Chase, thank, um, that's uh, one way we yep. could do that. And secondly, could you explain to me what comprehensive annual financial reports are? Because I don't understand that. Okay, Chase, thanks for the call. Laura, what about uh, what about water consumption? I just put in a low-flush toilet, uh, replaced one in my house. I was using, I don't know, three or four gallons or so. Now it's down to one gallon. Is all that in the code now? And, 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 and what are we doing on water use? I know this year, with all the rain we've had, not nearly as big of an issue uh, as it was last year, but last year, boy, we were really hurting. Oh, absolutely. Listen, Houston has not really had water conservation on its on its brain, right? It's rains. We get a lot of rain. We're a tropical city, and it just hasn't been one of the highest priorities. Water quality has been a much higher higher priority. But as you know, Mayor Parker has said many times, no one could believe have predicted what happened last year, right? Uh, mandatory water conservation, huge drought, extremely dry. Um, and so we do have to plan for the future. We do have to focus on our water supply. So the mayor actually last week um, created for the first time a water conservation task force. Um, and we're going to come up with all kinds of ideas for Houston to actually implement water conservation measures so that we are prepared for something that could happen uh, very easily again, another very bad drought just like last year. Uh, the caller asked about, asked about uh, desalination. 
That's actually, that is something that, that will be looked at to diversify our water supply. You know, we get our water from three major reservoirs and it's all surface water. So we don't have a lot of water diversification. So we do need to look at other ways to diversify our water supply. You know, rainwater harvesting is a good way. Water conservation is an extremely, extremely good way. Um, uh, and, you know, desal is definitely going to be looked at and is on the table. It tends to be more expensive, so that's probably one of the last things we'll look at. Water conservation is a much cheaper way to do it. You're reducing your demand. Um, and so that's obviously what, what we're gonna what we're gonna look at. So I, I'm excited about the possibilities here, and I think it's very forward thinking. I mean, the mayor announced it in a you know in in a, in a rainstorm. So it's not about today. It's not about tomorrow. It's about it really is about the future and the long term viability of Houston and, and our water supply. A uh, caller has asked. Uh, the, this is uh, coming to me over the uh, tele telecomputer here. Uh, does Laura know that Houston extends past 610? Uh, obviously, that's a facetious comment. I'm not sure exactly what they're driving at, but I'm going to make it, uh, I'm going to turn it into a question of, of my own, which is, how do you get involved in dealing with this issue of, of urban sprawl and what is sustainable in the, in the, in the design of the city and, and how we should be taking steps to plan for the future of the city? Do you get involved in that at all? Uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, sort of, sort of in, in certain things have been focused a little bit on, com- on complete streets, which is a way to re- re- look at, you know, how streets are built, um, in, in a different way to try to incorporate, uh, you know, streets for all uses, not just cars. Um, you know, I think sustainability is not just obviously within the loop. I think there's lots of things, the things I talk about, obviously, from water conservation to using an electric car to biking, all of that stuff can happen throughout the city. I mean, in fact, you know, the downtown Town District did a study of folks that commute um, in Houston, and actually most people on average commute about 20 miles, um, 20 miles one way, so about 40 miles a day. Um, so the, the use of an electric car, for example, makes sense. Um, you know, the new rail lines that are coming in um, are going to help folks, you know, not just inner loop, but also, you know, out, outside of, the, outside of the, the loop. So I think there are, you know, definitely a lot of these sustainability issues, you know, um, for, for many cities tend to focus where there's more density, right? The more people you have, the better your bike share program works. The more people you have, the better your rail system works. So you want to go in areas where there is a lot of density, and that happens to be, you know, inner loop. Um, but a lot of these things I'm talking about affect, you know, go beyond that. 713-526-5738. We've got one line open. The others are holding uh, 713-526-KPFT. I'm Leo Golden, and this is the New Capital Show. Laura Spangen, Director of Sustainability for the City of Houston, is my guest. If you are just joining us, next, let's take Tag. Tag, welcome. You are on with Laura Spangen. Yes, uh, Leo, you know, I, I, you're always talking about, about how lots of times we have to invest a lot of money, and we don't get a lot back. And, and so many of our issues are recycling, things like that fit that category. But there are some things that we can do that really cost nothing. Like if you ride share with the uh, carpool with with two other people you can cut your gas down by two-thirds i mean it's phenomenal you don't need to buy an electric car and uh, the city has a recycling program for surplus building materials but the only problem with that is that the average person can't go and get things from there it's only good for nonprofits, and if they would open that up for people to go buy stuff from there there'd be a revenue stream there for the city and um you know, passive hot water. I mean, you go to Mexico, everybody has passive hot water systems. So there are so many things that we can do that really doesn't cost a lot of money. I don't really hear Laura addressing that. So Okay, let's, let's, uh, let all right, know. Tag, thanks. Laura, what about the items that Tag brings up? Oh, yeah, great, great items. Thanks, Tag. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Carpooling is, uh, we absolutely do talk about carpooling. I just wasn't, that wasn't, I wasn't able to, to get it all in, all the things we work on. So I really appreciate you bringing it up. It is extremely important. So easy to do to carpool, uh, you know, ride and share, or, or ride share lots, um, are, are utilized and we'd like to promote them even more because you're right. It does obviously cut down on cars, gas, money, et cetera. So it's extremely, extremely, uh, um, great to do that if, if you can. Uh, I appreciate you bringing up the reuse warehouse. We love the reuse warehouse. Yes, you can bring surplus building supplies and, and things that people think are trash, but then can, that can be reused. Um, we've had people ask, you know, can the, can the public go there? It is for nonprofits. Um, the city really um, just hasn't, we haven't um, been able to uh, 
figure out the best way to actually kind of open that up to the public, to actually sell things that we receive um, for free. The whole idea is that since we're receiving it for free, we want to give it over to, to folks, um, to nonprofits, that that was really the best way to set it up. And we it's really used by the by nonprofits. A ton of people go there. Things are turned around all the time. So it's been very successful. I mean, if it, if it wasn't successful and stuff and items were sitting there for a long time, um, then we probably re- rethink the model. Um, but there are some other um, uh, companies that are open to the public that do very much what the reuse warehouse does. So um, I think the caller can can look those up as well. So I really appreciate him bringing up you know low cost uh, items that folks can do. I mean, Leo, you brought up things you just did in your home that were very low cost that reduced your energy usage. Low flow appliances, for example, I have actually the first 0.8 gallon toilet on the market in my home, wow. and it's cut you know it's cut our water consumption down by half. I mean, it's very very significant. Um, and the, the toilet itself only cost a couple hundred dollars. So, yes, please, you know, personal behavior change, doing things that um, cost very little that are a huge return on investment. I encourage folks to do those, you know, do those things every day. Laura, do you feel like you're getting and the mayor is getting the right amount of support that you need from the all-important business community in the city? Um, I do in, in in some respects. I mean, when when I engage the business community, I, I there tends to be a lot of interest. The Houston Green Office Challenge, for example, which is a competition amongst buildings to reduce their energy, water, and waste, and uh, we have 400 participants in that challenge. We've gotten great support from companies like Shell, Siemens, you know, uh, waste management, um, you know, uh, Centerpoint, uh, NRG, Reliant. I mean, they've been real huge supporters of of our programs. Um, and we want to do more. You know, we really want to work with them. We want to. We want to work on. You know, as I talked about earlier, the codes. Trying to make those codes. Um, uh, you know, a little a little tighter so that we get some more energy efficiency out of our buildings. Um, and I know that you know, since I have good relationships and have worked very close closely with them on these initiatives, that we'll be able to to do more um, under Mayor Parker's uh, administration, which is another three years or so. But you must also be seeing, because I, I feel like I'm seeing it, a, a younger generation entering into 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 companies be they large or small for whom your message is it would be highly receptive absolutely i mean houston is a great in fact forbes named houston the number one city for young professionals so young professionals are you know really coming into houston because there are jobs you know mayor parker said it on the colbert report last night we have jobs here this is a, and so people are coming because they can get a job they can have they have a low cost uh, of living um, and there's you know great quality of life there's great food arts theater etc and you know they are demanding uh, s- sustainability i mean I mean, these companies are not stupid. They they are being asked to, uh, when when uh, people are coming here. They want to work in a sustainable building. They want to work in a LEED certified building. They know what that means. They want recycling when they go home. I get they that do. call they all the time. Recycling. They want bikes. They want bike lanes. Uh, you know, they want um, they want transit. They want these rail lines to be built. Um, you know, I mean, it just the list goes on. And so I do think the city. You know, it's moving slowly, but it is moving. The momentum. I feel the momentum happening, and it's it's actually a really exciting time. Time to be in Houston. Laura, everybody wants to talk to you today. Our lines are full up. Let's go next to Alon. On line two, Alon, welcome. You are on with Laura Spangen. Yes, Leo. I'm very excited that you have Laura on. And uh, as a Me member too. of the Harris County <laughs> Green Party, I look forward to having dialogues with her about projects in the future. I have uh, one quick comment and a couple quick questions. Uh, comment. Uh, I'm in, uh, an advocate in favor of having permeable paving on higher elevations and uh, tax incentive phased in over 10 years that uh, residences and other places appropriate would have water barrels on the property. This would store rainwater or delay the runoff and have a secondary effect that it's available for watering lawns when we have a drought and you don't need the electric power to pump all that water all over the city. Okay, Alon, let's... let's comment, and then I have yep. two, two quick questions. No, 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 That's uh, we've got a whole whole list of people who want to get okay. on, Alon, so let's let her take those on. You bring up some very important points. All right, let's let her answer. Thanks. Fantastic. Okay, okay Laura. You. These are great comments and questions. 
absolutely believe in that. We we do a lot of work in that. Uh, our Rebuild Houston initiative that's rebuilding the streets, they're actually looking at low-impact development techniques and permeable pavement, uh, so we could see some exciting projects there. Uh, we actually be- love rainwater harvesting and rain barrels. We, in fact, have, and for this, this will be the third year, in October, we have a half-price rain barrel and compost sale at Mid Maid Park, um, and you get the little announcement in your water bill. So please look for that. You can come buy a, a, a rain barrel for half the cost that it usually costs. So absolutely believe in, in, in these concepts, and I want the more we can do, the more we can save water, uh, the, and the more we can reduce stormwater runoff, the better it is for Houston. Yeah, well, what's going on in that? Because it drives me crazy. I mean, there'll be a piece of land, and, and one month later, it's paved over completely with a parking lot. And uh, I think Austin has been doing a lot on that, where Austin, you cannot build a strip shopping center with a parking lot without, you know, putting in a parking lot that's got some permeability to it, that's got some landscaping, that's got some tree plantings. Is there anything like that that's going to come to Houston where you can't just pave over raw land? I mean, you, you really can't really pave over raw land here either. You do have to have stormwater detention. You do have to put in landscaping. You do have to figure out a way to deal with that stormwater. It's in the code. Um, so show me where this par- this parking lot is, and I'll, and I'll figure out yeah, how but, to but, talk but, to but them. But, de- but dealing with it isn't necessarily uh, sending it into a drain and into the bayous, right? I mean, that's one way to do it. Another way to deal with it is to have permeability where, where it sinks Absolutely. into land. So that's my question is, yeah. are we finding, and is there something that the city's working on where the way to deal with it, no longer is to create this whole piping infrastructure to send it into the bayous so we flood more into the, into our into our bayous are, are we going to have anything where somebody's got to actually create more permeability if they're going to build a uh, a large parking lot. They're looking at permeability, but right now the codes you cannot just send your you cannot just send your stormwater runoff into the bayous. You have to figure out how to deal with it. And per- permeability is one of the ways it has not been used as much. And there yep. needs to be more education to truly show folks that they can use it. Okay. So you know, I'm I'm with you 100. percent We need to tell people more about what is possible out there. All right, we've got about seven minutes left. Can you are you going to make it to the end, Laura? You're I'm going <laughs> to make it. You're working hard. I'll talk <laughs> Let's take Doug on line four. Doug, welcome to the new Capital Show. Good afternoon. Well, Leo, I really enjoy your show. I I make a point of listening every Thursday. Thank you. Thank Uh, you, Doug. But this this is more than interesting uh, (laughs) to me. Um, Right now, uh, I've been involved in uh, uh, biocatalytic enhanced enzymes around the world for the last several years. And the thing that I'm finding here in the United States, which is very interesting, is that there is a resistance new technology uh we do business in west africa what, what, first tell people what you do with biocatalytic enhanced enzymes doug before well, we well, <laughs> enzymes are basically little little critters that uh tend to digest uh yep. non-living organic material okay so what, do you, what are you doing with these in a sustainability sense well um traditionally enzymes have been used to moderate effect but they're very fragile. What we do is we uh, utilize a biocatalyst in the form of a uh, protein, which uh, accelerates the speed of nature in terms of digestion. Okay, so this is. Com- are, are we headed toward? Com- is it a question about composting or using these these well, enzymes it, you have for composting? So, uh-huh. so many different ways. I mean, in wastewater treatment plants, okay. yeah, uh, it, it will uh, reduce sludge up to. 90% reduce haul-off costs, permitting, this and that. Okay, so... It, it so, can be used to generate yeah. uh, extra methane out of a... Right. Uh, okay, so uh, Laura, what, Laura, I don't, I, I, I'm only interrupting, Doug, because I've only got a few minutes left, but Laura, what, are, are we, are we to the point now where we're looking at these kind of things that sound space-age, but they're really not, they're, na- they're nature's processes, and I, I think Doug wants to know, when will this be added to the agenda uh, in the sustainability portfolio? Great question. I talked about it earlier in the show. I'm a huge believer in digestion uh, in for wastewater treatment plants. I think it does exactly what the caller said it's supposed to do. They t- take the sludge and they kind of eat it, and it, it reduces it real fast, and it creates methane gas that can be used to power a facility. We don't have digestion in Houston at all. Um, it's something that I know wastewater is looking at, um, but they, you know, it's 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 a it's not a new technology. It's Houston. And it's something that um, I think could really benefit our wastewater system. So definitely brought it up. I know they're looking at it, and I would love to have Houston um, um, actually, you know, build a digester so that we could take advantage of this of this this great technology. And if you had to estimate when we would see our first digester, 
Go ahead, take a crack. What you know? Is it, uh, no, I five, don't. you know, five years, ten years, uh, two years. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. All right, <laughs> Joseph is next. Joseph, welcome to the New Capital Show. You are on with Laura Spangen. Great. Uh, I, my field is uh, public health, and uh, what I see happening now is is uh, that uh, populations have become more and more self-sustaining, self-sufficient, and take on the task that we cannot totally leave to government, who, which is right now, as you suggest, strained because of budget. And more and more, I think I would prefer to see the city invest some energy and time in um, promoting the use of volunteers who come forth with their talents and their time and their energy and their expertise. Like myself, I'm a, I'm a basically retired i can do okay so 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 laura what about that how can people are there volunteer programs that are attached to your bureau uh and uh, department are there are there ways that people can get volunteered up with the mayor's department or the city council or the city what about that oh absolutely god we love volunteers in fact i've got three interns working out office right now. They're, you know, working away. They're fantastic. Uh, we have a great volunteer program uh, through the mayor's office. You can go online to HoustonTX.com, uh, HoustonTX.com. What is what is our website? Gov or org? That is our website. You can go into the city of Houston's website, and there's a great volunteer sign-up sheet. And, boy, they'll put you to work on a number of things. I mean, it's a really, really great volunteer program. Or you can go on to my website, which is greenhoustontx.gov, and there's a place for you to sign up to help out as well. So we welcome you. We'd love to have you help us out. Okay, I'm going to have you give out your website again. Not right now, but in just a couple minutes, people sure. can people can get your pens and your papers ready, everyone, so that uh, so that Laura's going to give it out again. Since we just got a couple minutes, so get your pens and papers ready about how to volunteer and how to get how to get a hold of hold of her. Lyndon is next. Lyndon, welcome to the New Capital Show. Uh, thank you, Leo. Thank you, Laura. Um, I'm with the Houston Renewable Energy Group, and we put on the Houston Solar Tour, and we have the IKEA on this year, and also the Houston Permitting Center. Um, I, you know, go around Houston, I see all these flat buildings, all these warehouses, and I'm wondering who is it in our local <clears throat> legislature or, you know, our local representatives of the state of Texas, can we put pressure on so we can get a renewable energy standard for solar? Um, so we could, you know, put solar on some of these roofs. Okay, Linda, thanks. Laura, what about solar? Great question. I love all Callers are so smart. Uh, great to see. I don't know if I met you yesterday. I was out at the big IKEA unveiling of their almost one megawatt solar project atop their IKEA store. If anyone has the ability wow. to go out and check it out, it's amazing. I mean, solar as far as the eye can see. Wow. Um, and it is the largest solar installation in Houston right wow. now. Wow. I know. It's fantastic. We uh. are also putting uh, solar on top of our new Houston permitting center, our new Lead Gold uh, permitting center, and that will be available for tours as well. It will be done uh, very shortly. Uh, absolutely wish we had a uh, renewable energy portfolio, a percentage of that for solar. Everyone uh, uses wind. Wind's been very cheap. It's been very good for Texas. Texas is a leader in wind. We're the sixth largest wind producer in the world, 10,000 megawatts or more. Houston has benefited from that in that we're the number one purchaser of renewable energy in the country because we buy 33% of our wind from wind farms in West Texas. So I believe in wind, but I also believe in solar, and I would love to have a portion of that actually uh, uh, set aside just for solar. Uh, we need to get it through the Texas legislature. People have tried it last year. It didn't quite work out, and hope, hopefully they'll be success, successful next year so that we can um, have some incentives for solar development as well. Solar is really cheap right now, folks. It's the cheapest it's ever been, so we want to encourage it as much as possible. We're, we're, we're basically under about a dollar a kilowatt now. Yeah, uh, it's amazing right now what's happening. It's all because it's just there's a lot of supply in China, you know, and we it's never been cheaper. You could put solar on your home for half the cost of what it was just two years ago. Amazing. Okay, uh, let's take one more quick call. It's going to be Marie. David, I'm sorry, we're going to be out of time. Marie, you real have the quick, last call of the day. Yeah, hi, real quick. The catchment barrels, I missed where to get those. Oh, great. Thank you. Uh, we don't have the yet it's always in october um it will be at we it's a parking lot right at minute maid park um and you can check i'll give you my contact information at the end of the show you all right we're there we're there so we'll go, the date go ahead give it out um, tell it people on a saturday in in october um right at minute maid park and there's an announcement that goes out in your water bill um every every year so it'll give you all the information as well laura have you done radio on other stations not really no 
people, this is why you listen to KPFT. All right? You get Laura Spangin here on KPFT. <laughs> Laura Spangin, great to have you. Thank you so much for I everything. Love being please on. Thank please you. give people again real quick your website so they can oh, find you. Absolutely. Please contact us. Our website is www.greenhoustontx.gov. You can ask any questions, right? There's a way to ask us questions uh, through that website. Follow us on Twitter, Green Houston TX is our handle, and Facebook, Green Houston TX is our handle there as well. Laura, great to have you. I hope I see you soon. That's been another edition of the New Capital Show. I'm Leo Gold, newcapitalshow.com. You can email me, leogold, at newcapitalshow.com. On Facebook, leogold.newcapitalshow, and I will be back with you next week. Until then, take care. Thanks to Doyle and to everybody. Please stay tuned for our KPFT local news. Hey, Doc, guess what's coming up? What, Phil? The Grassroots Radio Conference. It's a national event that offers people from volunteer-powered community radio stations a chance to connect with each other. You know, that would mean a lot of people like you and me, Doc. It's all in the same room. Wow, all volunteers. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. A chance for people to connect with each other, learn new skills, discuss issues, and party. Maybe Ernesto will let me go. What do you think? I got the party part down. Uh, uh, That's the only part of it I'd probably be good at. (laughs) This conference is for everyone interested in shaping the future of community radio and independent media. This event will be held July 26th through the 29th at Urbana Champaign Independent Media Center in Urbana, Illinois. Together, we will chart a vision for community radio as a dynamic community-building tool for decades to come. For more information, visit grassrootradioconference.org. This is KPFT Houston. Way to go, Phil. Blues music enjoys a rich Texas history, and since 1970, KPFT has been the home of the blues. From the forefathers and foremothers to the contemporary artists, 90.1 has always made Sunday blues a Houston staple. Our blues block kicks off Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. with the best of blues history in Chicago and beyond on the Red Eye Special. At 8, Mr. and Mrs. V bring you their signature brand of humor and music with Blues on the Move. At 11 on Sundays, join Nuri Nuri, who delivers you everyone from B.B. King 